read you our next part of our book of Ephesians um, that we're studying together. The response from Paul's question, who's been reading it this week, was seriously underwhelming. I think it was my wife, and that was it. Um, so uh, class, your homework this week uh, is, uh, yeah, maybe try and read Ephesians as six chapters, a chapter a day, and then the whole book at the weekend, um, just to kind of, you know, imbibe it, uh, meditate on it, chew it over like a dog with a bone and get it inside your spirit. So we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 uh, to 23. Um, let's read. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's a great prayer of Paul uh, that we read together this morning and that we're going to look at together. Uh, last week, we, we started um, with Paul's hymn of pray, praise, this pion of praise, this uh, the, the, the first 11, the 11 verses from 3 to 14, which in the Greek is one long flowing sentence of exaltation and praise. We bless God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And we, we considered what those blessings are last week, that we have been called, that we've been chosen, we've been predestined to be adopted, that we, that we have an inheritance, that we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, that we've been forgiven and that we've been redeemed. And uh, all of these amazing kind of benefits that God has blessed us with in the heavenly realms. And we said the heavenly realms or the heavenlies is the spiritual reality, the real reality, the way things really are. And we reflected last week as well the fact that, that Paul was writing this in chains. The chink of chains was in the background as he's writing to these Ephesians and probably to the wider churches of Asia Minor. And uh, he's expressing all of these things, but he's he may externally, circumstances may not have looked great for Paul, um, but, but he could still say God has blessed us so much with every blessing uh, in Christ. And he just goes off on one in this kind of whole attitude of praise. This is a Trinitarian hymn that we looked at last week. So we looked at the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the three verses of this hymn of praise that Paul shares each Strophe, each verse ends with 
to the praise of his glory. We are to bring praise to God and we are to bring glory to God and that's why we are here. That's why God has blessed us. That's why God has done all of these things in our lives. That's why God is working in our lives so that we can give glory back to him. So we looked at this the, the what of God's benefits. We looked at the, of, of the why, and that it is to the praise of his glory. We looked at the how, that it is through his glorious grace that he has lavished upon us. And we looked at the where, that all of this, 11 times in these verses, is in him, in Christ. And you remember my little story about being in London with Paul and getting into the Union Jack Club. And uh, he's ex-military, so he could use those facilities. I could only use them because I was with him And we are with Christ. We have been raised with Christ into the heavenly places. We have been uh, blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's where the blessing is. That's how we access it. And so Paul goes on then, as he's had this big kind of praise and blessing party and this expressed his exaltation to God, as we move on, he moves seamlessly then from praise to prayer. And he says, for this reason... For this reason, uh, as, it, as we start uh, the passage that we're looking at, uh, at today, for this reason, and for, for what reason? For the reasons of everything he's just written in those last 11 verses. For all of these blessings, for all of these things I've outlined, for this reason, I, I start to turn praise into prayer. No, praise and prayer, exaltation and supplication go together like fish and chips or salt and vinegar or Laurel and Hardy, or Anton Deck. It's, um, you, you've, got, you've got praise, which leads to prayer and supplication. And the Bible's clear on this. Uh, Paul, when he writes to the Philippians, he says, you know, don't be anxious about things, uh, but, but turn everything into supplication. Bring your prayers and your petitions. But he says, do that with thanksgiving. You know, bring it with praise. Bring your supplication to God. Bring it with prayers. When he writes to the Thessalonians, he says, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. But this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So these two go hand in hand. Praise and prayer. So when we were taught to pray when we were younger, sometimes uh, we were given the acrostic uh, acts. You know, start with adoration, with praise, just like we have done now. And then Go on to confession, and then thanksgiving, and then supplication. Present your requests to God. So there's this combination that Paul uh, weaves together uh, of, of, of praise and prayer. And, uh, and t- listening to a message the, the other week that, that said, in, in times of crisis and in times of difficulty, like we've been experiencing this last year uh, globally with this pandemic and everything that people have been going through, go to the Psalms. Go to the Psalms, always back to the Psalms, this Hebrew prayer book, which effortlessly molds praise and prayer. The word of God, the truth of God, it speaks for us and it speaks to us. So that's what Paul is doing here as he starts to pray for them. He says, for this reason, for all of these reasons I've just outlined, since I heard about your faith, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. Now Paul, as we've said, is in chains, and yet he's still outward focused. He's still focused on the Ephesian believers and the believers in Asia Minor. And he said, 
He said, since I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, I've heard about you, you Ephesian believers. I've heard about your faith and I've heard about your love for the saints. You know, it's really good sometimes to share testimonies and to look for the, the uh, acts of God's grace in each other's lives, isn't it? To say, I've, I've heard good things about you. I've heard about uh, what God is doing in your life. And during this last year, even though there have been tough times, we've also heard some great news of God's activity amongst us. So we've, we've, I remember going on, online to a, a global kind of a, a alpha Zoom, and Jenny and I sat at home and, and dialed in, and people dialed in from all over the world during this pandemic that, who had gone online with Alpha. And so whether it was uh, Africa, Asia, uh, whether it was India, um, North America, there were representatives from all over the world, and then Nikki and Pippa Gumbel in London and their team, and they were sharing stories of what God had been doing in this last year. People had been coming to faith. Our kids have been witnessing to their friends at school and uh, God's activity. And, uh, and we've had a couple of online Alpha courses as well this last year. And we've seen people come into faith, exploring faith. We've seen people dialing in from around the country and even around the world. And it's good to celebrate what God is doing. Sometimes we heard stories as well, whether it's been the love thy neighbor or whether it's been different things that you as a congregation have done for one another. Acts of kindness, acts of love, acts of faith. Sometimes unseen, over the garden fence, at somebody's door, doorstep, uh, acts of, of faith and love and kindness. And, and Paul is reflecting on these things. You know, it's good to reflect on what God is doing and to give thanks for it. And that's what, and that's what Paul is doing. Now, he could, he could have started this whole letter to the Ephesians. And he said, please pray for me. I'm in chains. I'm having a really hard time. I'm confined. Uh, everything's gone wrong. Uh, I, I'm, I can't preach where I want to preach. But, but no, what Paul is focusing on, he's focusing on what, what God is doing, what God is saying amongst the believers. I've heard of your faith. I've heard of your love for the saints. And I, I love the thought of Eugene Peterson in one of his books, in The Contemplative Pastor. And uh, he, he says, don't despise small talk. Don't despise just listening to people's everyday stuff, everyday stories, everyday lives of what God is doing. Because he says, um, if we bully people into talking on our terms, if we manipulate them in responding to our agenda, we, we don't take them seriously where they are in the ordinary and the everyday. Nor are we likely to become aware of the tiny shoots of green grace that the Lord is allowing to grow in the backyards of their lives. And, uh, you know, sometimes we just have to have eyes to see and ears to hear what God is doing. And I love Paul's emphasis on let's count our blessings. Let's see how God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And I've been so pleased, Ephesian believers, to hear of God's activities amongst you. I love hearing about your faith. I love hearing about your, your acts of love for one another. And so that's, that's his focus, and he's, he's focusing on that. But I love the way he's praying for them. He says, I've not stopped praying for you, giving thanks for you. And sometimes we become, don't we, we become very us-focused, us-centered. 
our lives, our problems, our issues. I know I do, and I know when I'm praying sometimes I do. But, but what Paul does, he doesn't just pray for himself, he prays for other people, and we need to pray for one another. And, and sometimes, just in my journal at home, I just write names. I just would write a whole page full of names of people here at the church or people that I know, that people have said, will you pray for me? Or I write them down in my journal and I pray over them. Just a long list. And, and sometimes it is just a list. I don't list what their issues are or just lifting them up before the Lord. And I know many of us do this. I remember George Hunter used to be part of this church many years ago. Uh, some of you will know him, some of you won't. Scottish man, uh, former hairdresser. I remember going to see him in the uh, old people's home that he was in by that stage. And uh, he pulled out his Bible to read something with me. And out of his Bible fell sheets of paper. Um, and they were his prayer lists. Uh, prayer lists for Monday and prayer lists for Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And every day he would pray for different people and different needs. And there's something, I think, powerful about that, praying for others. And that's what Paul does. So he says, for this reason, for all of these blessings, ever since I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then this is what Paul prays for, for these believers. And it's a great thing to ask for. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul says, I want you to know Christ better. I want you to know him. Now, we, are, we, have, no, we have no shortage of knowledge in some ways. Uh, we accumulate and imbibe about eight hours on average of media every day, uh, as surveys show, probably more for, for some of us when we look at our internet usage and our social media usage and our television viewing and, and, and all of that. We, we have no shortage of knowledge. <laughs> but, but what Paul is asking for is that they would know God better, that they would know Jesus better. And this is Paul's own cry, the Apostle Paul. What, what does he say? He says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. And I want to know the power of his resurrection. And I want to know the fellowship of suffering, of his suffering, sharing in the fellowship of his suffering. He wants to know God better. And he wants these believers to know God better. And you know that we can know God better. We can get to know him we can get to know him closely and intimately. And that's what he asks for here. He says, he says I, want, I want you to know him. And elsewhere, when he's writing to the Philippians, Paul was a very knowledgeable man. He was very well trained. He was very well educated. But he said, I want you to know that I count everything else uh, loss. In fact, I count it as, as dung. I count it as scubula in the, in the Greek. I count it as rubbish, compared with the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. He said, I have, I've learned from the best scholars. I've sat at the feet of the best educationalists. I've read all the books. 
I have, I have been well-educated. I've been raised in knowledge and, and education and intellect and philosophy. He could stand up at the area of Ockebus. I, I can never say that word. He could stand up and argue with the philosophers of his day. And he says, the unknown God that you worship, I present to you as God, as Jesus Christ. So he, he can mix it with the philosophers. He can stand shoulder to shoulder with the best educated people of his day. And what the Apostle Paul says, as he writes to the Philippians, he says it's all worth nothing compared to what it is to know Christ. The surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. It's, it's dung to me. My degrees, they're dung to me. My education, it's dung to me. It's rubbish compared to knowing God. And so when he prays for these believers... He's not praying for more blessings for them. He said, you're already blessed. <laughs> you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the real reality of the heavenlies. You already have every blessing. I'm not going to pray for more blessings. I'm going to pray that you will know what you have. I'm going to pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened to realize what God has given you and what God has done in your life. And he's talking about a knowledge that he says else it surpasses knowledge. He talks about a peace of God that surpasses understanding. He's not talking about some cognitive knowledge of just reading more books. But he's talking about a knowing God in our heart, an experience of God and the Holy Spirit, an experience of Jesus that surpasses knowledge, surpasses intellect, it surpasses philosophy. It is something that is given, he says, by the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He says, I, I pray that you will know Christ. I pray that you'll know him better and he pray that this will happen as he gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So this isn't us just swatting up on God. Now I do actually think it's really, really, really important to read your Bibles. <laughs> and unfortunately surveys show and statistics show that Christians these days do not read their Bibles very much. <laughs> very low percentage of people read their Bible every day. I think it's really important to read the Scriptures. Jerome said to know Scripture is to know Christ. And John Stott said to be ignorant of Scripture is to be ignorant of Christ. If we're going to know Jesus, <laughs> we better read what he said and what he did and what his heart is, this love letter of God to us. And if we don't read it, then we're not really going to get to know God the way he wants us to know him. So the challenge to all of us is not to read it because that'll make you a good Christian or because it's some legal requirement, but it will change your life. And to know scripture is to know Christ. And to be ignorant of scripture is to be ignorant of Christ. So read your Bible. <laughs> read Ephesians this week, every day. But above and beyond that, we need the spirit of God to reveal the word of God to us. So when Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's read a bit of an extended passage because he highlights what the spirit of wisdom and revelation does. He says, we do, we do not, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 6, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom a wisdom that's been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. 
None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? Who really knows what's, what they're thinking? Only you really know. Only I know what I'm really thinking. My spirit within me. I know what's going on in my heart and my life. So too, the spirit of God knows the things of God, um, the thoughts of God. Who knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God? We've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we may understand. Listen to this. We have received the spirit who is from God that we may understand what God has freely given us. And that's what Paul is praying for here for these Ephesians. He said, I pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And the spirit of God reveals the heart of God. So sometimes the spirit of God will reveal to you that what you're doing is upsetting to God. And sometimes the spirit of God will touch your heart with what touches the heart of God. Sometimes the Spirit of God will highlight to you just how lost somebody is and how much they need Christ. The Spirit of God reveals the hidden things of God, takes the heart of the Father and reveals it to us. That's the work of the Spirit in our lives. And what Paul is praying for is praying that we would have more of the Spirit of, the, of wisdom and revelation so that we might know God better because Paul knew that knowing Christ will change you and transform your life and it was his heart's desire it was his life's work to know God better to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering so we need the word of God of course we do and we need the spirit of God who reveals the things of God and what Paul says when he writes to the Philippians is that these things are spiritual and they are spiritually discerned and they cannot be discerned from a natural point of view, a worldly point of view. So some people would read the Bible who don't know Christ, who don't have the Spirit of God, it would make no sense to them. But as we read it and as we say, Holy Spirit, reveal it to me and reveal the heart of the Father to me, then we become alive to the things of God, the things that move God, move us. The things that make God weep, make us weep. And the things that excite God, excite us. So that's what Paul is asking for. But he's also praying. He says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know something, three things. He's saying, I'm praying for you that the eyes of your heart, the heart is the, is the seat of the will and the emotions. It's who we are. It's our very essence. And he's, he's praying for that, the light to come on, for the Holy Spirit to enlighten us to give us that knowledge. And he, and he prays for three things that he wants them to know. He, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know, first of all, the hope to which he has called you. <laughs> Secondly, the glorious, the riches of his glorious inheritance in all the saints. And thirdly, his incomparably, incomparably great power for us who believe. Three things. I'm praying for you that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that the Spirit of God will light up your 
knowing of him, your knowledge of him, your heart, your experience of God, so that you may know at a very deep and experiential level the hope that you have, that he's called you to, the riches of your inheritance, and the power that is available to you if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. That is what Paul is praying for them as he's in chains and as he writes to these believers. Now, he's not praying that they'll have these things. He's praying that they'll know these things that are already there. And so often we have stuff that we don't even know we've got it. We don't know how rich we are. But he prays, I, know, I pray that you'll know the hope to which he has called you. What is the hope of our calling? What are we called to? Well, first of all, all of these things that he's highlighted here, we are chosen by God. We talked about that last week. We have been pre- predestined. Um, and we have been adopted as God's children. We can call him our father, and we can call ourselves his son and his daughter. Uh, We have been forgiven of all of our sins. We have been redeemed and bought back out of slavery. We have been lavished with grace. We have been shown the mysteries of God. We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. We have all of these things, and so Paul is praying, I pray that you'll know the hope to which he has called you. But what has God called us to? Well, First of all, he's called us into fellowship with Jesus. It says in 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what he's called you to. He's called you to have a relationship with Jesus. He's called you to be free. And he writes to the Galatians and he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another. He's called us to be holy or to be made whole to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He has called us to live a holy life for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning. And here's one you won't like so much. He's called us to suffer on Christ's behalf. For God called you to do good even if it means suffering. Just as Christ's suffering for you, he is your example and you must follow in his steps. Peter writes about that. He talks about suffering unjustly and he talks about the fact that we've been called to this. So we've been called to be in fellowship with Jesus. We've been called to be made whole. We've been called to freedom. We've been called to Uh, suffer. We've been called to share in the glory of Jesus. We've been called to eternal life. We've been called to eternal inheritance. We've been called to eternal glory. And so Paul says, I pray for you that you'd know the hope to which he has called you. May may he open your eyes and may he open the understanding of your heart that you would know what God has done for you, what God has called you to. You have a high calling in God. You really do. He's called you for such a purpose. He's called you for such a time as this. And his calling rests on your life. And his calling is irrevocable. It can't be taken back. It's it's resting on you. And I pray this morning that you would know, that you would know the hope that rises within you as you think of the calling of God on your life. And for those who may feel hopeless, that God is at work in you, that God has called you, and that is a tremendous calling with so many promises attached to it and causes hope to rise in our hearts. 
But he says also, I pray that you will know the glorious riches of his inheritance that is available to us for all the saints. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you will know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. One time I was uh, reading the book of Ephesians. We were on holiday on a Greek island. You remember holidays? You remember those? We were in Kefalonia. And I remember reading, I, I chose to read Ephesians that summer and I was reading it. And, uh, and throughout Ephesians, you find the word riches. The riches of his glorious inheritance. The riches of God's grace. If you read through it, you'll find that theme. And I kept coming up against these word riches. And then I looked out over the water. I looked at all these millionaire yachts <laughs> moored out on, in the Bay of Kefalonia. All these really, really, really stinking rich people. And what true riches are. I remember when I was a kid, our youth leader telling us a story and frightened the life out of me, which often our youth leaders seem to do back in the 70s. But um, he told this story, and it was, the richest man in Denbyshire will die tonight at midnight. And we were all sat on the edge of our seats, and he, and he really told this story. And he kept repeating it over and over. And it was, he almost sank, the richest man in Denbyshire will die tonight at midnight. And he was talking about the richest man, this guy up on the hill with his mansion and his Rolls Royce and everything else. And he was terrified. I'm going to die tonight at midnight. <laughs> the richest man in Denbyshire will die tonight at midnight. Of course, when midnight struck, everybody looked and the man with his Rolls Royce and the mansion on the hill was still alive. <laughs> but the Christian <laughs> Sunday school teacher who had Hardly two sticks to rub together. He died that night at midnight. I still remember the story. Pretty terrible story, really, but I got, I got the point. The riches, the riches of God, glorious inheritance for us who believe. We talked last week about some of this inheritance of God. Do you know that you are a, a co-heir with Christ? And that we have just got, he said, we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, but that everything we have now, all of these blessings, that is, we said last week, is just the amuse-bouche, it's just the first course. And we've got all this other stuff coming. We've got the wedding supper of the Lamb, we've got new heavens, and we've got new earth, and we've got new bodies, we've got eternal life, we've got eternal hope, we've got life in the presence of God, we've got Eden restored, we've got the glorious riches of I am an heir to these things. You are an heir as a follower of Christ, a co-heir with Christ. And Paul says, I just want you to know, I want you to grasp at such a deep level of how stinking rich you are. You are so rich. <laughs> you have no idea what's coming down the line for you. And the great thing about eternal life and the kingdom of God, that it's already inaugurated. It, you already get some of it now. There's some capital release in this life. Which is why Jesus said, pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is going to be and is already in heaven. And certain of those blessings of God, we can have some of it now. <laughs> I'll, have a, I'll have some of my inheritance now, please. The blessing of God, the healing of God, the touch of God, the... All of these things that he's got for us. So Paul says, I pray that you'll know the hope that he's called you to and the, the, the powerful calling that's on your life. I pray that you'll know 
this great inheritance that is in the saints. And I pray thirdly that you will know the incomparably great power that is available to those that believe. Incomparably great power. And then he says, let me think what that power is like. How is it demonstrated? And Paul could have chosen various things. He could have said that power that was demonstrated in the creation of the universe. That a God so powerful who said, let there be light. And there was light. That power that God used to create the universe and speak forth life. That power is available to you. But he, he didn't. He didn't use creation. Or he, he could have used other examples too of, of what Christ had done on earth or the power that he had seen manifest. But he said, he said, the power that I'm talking about, that power, it's like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power, dominion, every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. That's the power I'm talking about, Paul says. And that power is available for you. (laughs) He says it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and raised him up into the heavenlies and seated him at the right hand and set all of these principalities and powers and demons and demonic forces are placed under his feet. And he said that power is available to you. It's available, it's for the church. It's for the church, it's for you. And it's available to those who believe. This is where we need to be careful, like the seven sons of Sceva in Acts chapter 19. Paul, the apostle, was casting out demons and showing the power of God and demonstrating the name of Jesus. And the seven sons of Sceva said, oh, we'll have some of that. So in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, and they got beaten up and stripped naked and given a good kicking by these demonic powers because they didn't know the power of Jesus that Paul knew. Because they weren't believers. But we are believers. Those of us who follow Christ. And Paul said, I pray for you that you would know the power that is available to you. Now, he said elsewhere, this power is made perfect in weakness. In earthen vessels like you and me. But it's available to us. And we've been singing songs this morning about the power of God, about the risen name of God, that everything must bow at his feet. You know, he's placed everything under the feet of Jesus, every demonic force, every demonic power, every principality, every world ruler, anything and every, everything. And Paul says if he's not covered it, and every other title, every other name is under his feet. Jesus has been given all power and all authority And we have been raised with Christ. I'm with him. I'm with him. And we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And Paul says, you have incomparably great power. For those of you who have faith and believe. But we don't act like it sometimes. So that addiction that you're struggling with, that besetting sin, that area of life that is intractable, that demonic oppression, that Whatever it might be, there is a power available to you as a believer in Christ that is greater than that, that is at work in your life. And it's the power that raised Christ from the dead. And it's available to you and me today. We can tap into it. We can 
uh, have access to it. It is ours. It's made available to us. And, and Paul says, I pray that you would know it. I pray that you would experience it. The power that is above every power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but the one to come. And God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I'm going to finish now. And Peter, in his letter, he said, you know, that his divine power, 2 Peter 1 verse 3, has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. All of this sovereign power is for the good of the church, for us who believe. Sometimes, a, a long time ago, I wrote a, a complaint letter about a credit card issue I had with the bank, and I was getting absolutely nowhere. So I went right to the top. <laughs> I wrote to the chief executive of the bank, and it got fixed immediately <laughs> by somebody in his office, not him personally. But we, we have access <laughs> to the very top, <laughs> to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, to the one who sits enthroned over every principality, every power, every title, the most powerful person on earth is under his feet. <laughs> and we're on his side. I'm with him. <laughs> so Paul prays. He joins on from his praise. He, he prays, <laughs> following his praise. And uh, he says, in, in view of all of this stuff that God's done for us, I'm so grateful. I can't stop thanking God for you. I can't stop thanking him for your love and your faith. It's amazing. And I, I keep asking God that, that he would help you to know him better. And I pray in order to do that, that he would give you his spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I pray that he'd enlighten the eyes of your heart so that you would know, I mean really, really know, at a visceral, experiential level, the hope to which he has called you, the glorious inheritance that you have in all the saints, and the incomparably great power for all those who believe, that he has exerted in Christ as he raised him from the dead, this power is available to you. And we could do worse than sidle up to Paul and say, Lord, we want to ask for the same thing. <laughs> yes, please, Lord. So let's do that now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray. We pray in the name of Jesus. And we pray, Lord, whatever circumstance we can think of that seems so intractable, so powerful, so big, so immovable, so all-consuming, Lord, you are more powerful than all of those things. They are under your feet. And your power, God, is made available to us. You are Lord over the flood. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us as your followers to know the hope that we've been called to, the glorious riches, 
that we have as an inheritance in the saints. And this incomparably great power help us to know it, to realize it, to live in the reality of it, the real reality of the heavenly realms. And so God, we align ourselves with you. The Bible tells us we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We have this authority and power in the name of Jesus. And so we speak, Lord, to everything, every name, every title, every demonic power that must bow at the name of Jesus. It must bow at the name of Jesus. The name which is above every other name. The name which is higher than any other name. The power that is greater than any other power. Lord, that's what we, that's who we serve. And that is what is available to the church, the body of Christ. In whom, Lord, you fill all of this fullness of God. You fill us with that fullness. So I pray, Lord, I pray that we might know you better. I pray that we might have that longing that Paul had, that I might know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. I pray this for all of our church, for all the people that are listening today, that they may know you, know your power, know your hope, and know your calling. Reveal it to them, Holy Spirit, I pray, in increasing measure, in Jesus' name. Amen.